You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, back for another episode of Uncensored. Got our man Dan Johnson on with us this morning, too, which is always a treat. Heck, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're going to dive in and talk a little bit about this past week, and then I think Braden and Dan have a conversation that we want to address on Uh-oh. some hunting oh, yeah. apparel. Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay. Kind of get everybody's feedback and opinions. Little rumblings. I want somebody who uh, knows what they're talking about to weigh in. So yeah. that would be fun. So, so when's that guy showing up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You may hear some slurping over on uh, our end of the thing. We're going to be sipping on a little Wildland coffee. You've heard us talk about them the last couple of weeks. Our buddy Zach over at Wildland makes these very handy tea bag coffee uh dispensers receptacles something <laughs> i don't know what you call that thingamajiggers but anyways so great for hunting scenarios fishing scenarios just take a little bottle of hot water and dunk your coffee in there and let it brew as long as you want to it's good stuff so if you hear the you're welcome <laughs> you're welcome let's dive into this past week so obviously here in kentucky it's temperature swing back mm-hmm. and forth 70s one week drops down to 20 overnight this past weekend and week I've been trying to get out and fish. It's been a nightmare. I can't figure out the fish. Um, I'm I'm fishing slow. I'm fishing deep. I'm fishing shallow. I even caught a bass on a topwater. Oh wow! Which was that's random. <laughs> was it one of the random warm days at least? Uh, it was that first week of March. Cloudy. I don't remember what it was. Cloudy. Yeah. Maybe. So, you know, that's like my head. Yeah, turkey's on my mind, but this is the time of year when I start to completely think about fishing and i'm trying to figure them out i cannot catch anything that's bigger than 10 inches at the moment and i would love to hear what you're seeing because i know you got out too yeah i got out just a little bit over the weekend uh just hit a little little hole you and me both know quite well for largemouth mostly um i was like what you're saying fishing deep fishing slow i started off with a ned rig i wasn't even trying to hit the banks or anything like that i was just casting straight out and just letting stuff sit and i mean we're talking minute and then a couple pops reel it ned rig wasn't getting i got like maybe one soft look on the on the ned rig switched up to uh the tackle hd swim baits start thinking mm-hmm. maybe i'll try to strike into the the more predatory sense of the largemouth. that didn't get anything 
Um, that's which, funny. That's what's you, worked the best for me. Like, uh, so the white one. ones? Yeah. Right the, the, the pearl uh, or whatever. The iridescent blue, I oh, think yeah, is yeah. what they say right. on the packaging, but yeah. they are white, which they have like kind of a blue hue to them, especially yeah, yeah. in the water. Um, but then I just switched up to uh, the old Texas rig with a plum uh, worm on it. Plum and, a worm. Yep, and, and that is what got the two fish that I did get over the weekend. Um, I will make a little plug real quick, too. I was using that Vexen uh, Pro Bass rod, and that thing, I love it. Love it to death. Um, it, just the sensitivity on it, man. I mean, the fish that I did get, I got, I think, three hits, and then I landed two. And, I mean, they were just soft takes. They were just kind of like just playing with the worms, just mouthing them. And it was all about timing. It was almost like fishing the top water, where like I would feel it hit, and I just let it sit for a minute, and let them kind of start taking it, and then set the hook. Um, and that rod, like I said, not it's also just a great casting rod. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's a spinning rod, but like it just it casts real well. It's getting really good, you know, distance on my cast. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, conditions were less than perfect. It was just a little pond. Um, I mean, I'm not out on the boat or anything like that. Um, it was. Super windy the morning I went out. It snowed on me most of the time. Uh, overcast, just I think it was mid 30s temperature wise. Um, not your picturesque bass fishing day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that was the amount of fishing I did. Yeah, I mean it's been annoying trying to figure it out. I've you know obviously when I started getting the swim bait bit because I've been using that power bait, mm-hmm. the HD bluegill mm-hmm. little three inch one that we had. Yeah. That's what I've been seeing the most bites on. Um, and I was optimistic that they were starting to get more active and a little bit more aggressive feeding. And then I I'd stepped it up a notch on my aggressiveness as far as how I was retrieving it and tried mm-hmm. a real fast jerk bait. Mm-hmm. And it, that wasn't working. So then I would just went back to that real slow crank on that swim bait. And You've been targeting more smallmouth here lately, right? In no. The bass these, world. These, these were out at the, the farm pond. Okay. Trying to find okay. some, some largemouth. And I did... I did catch a really nice smallmouth. I can't remember if we talked about it here or not. A couple weeks I knew ago, you had caught that one um, on a little tiny, little tiny jig, and um, almost like a Ned trailer on it. So it was real small but straight. I'm almost wondering if if it's going to stay cooler here. If we shouldn't start switching up to smaller, smaller swim baits, maybe. Yeah, I mean, because you're going to come into that time of year where bluegill is starting to spawn. Mm-hmm. So you're going to start seeing some smaller fry and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So. I don't know, man. The, these temperature swings are weird. I look back at my previous couple of years of, of fishing photos mm-hmm. and history, and this time of year, three years ago, I was crushing the bigger bass because they had already moved up. and so mm. It's probably warmer, though. Yeah, so you, yeah. The, the air temperature and water temperature is really what matters, um, more just, so the water temperature. I'm just upset I haven't been able to get my boat out for crappie yet. Yeah, you should, dude. This well, it's not i'm dealing with boat issues currently yeah you know, it's what boat stands for right yeah. bust out another thousand yeah yeah well bredo no fishy fishy dude i've i'm kind of mad at him right now i was i've been watching like uh everybody catching them and, and go wild and stuff paying close attention to like what people are using talking to you guys like Every time I'm going out, I'm texting Jacob, like, what should I be using today? Like, what are you thinking? Okay, that's what I was, okay, I feel good about that. Go out there, freaking nothing. I've been inviting people coming with me. They're not catching anything, so now I look like a bigger ding-dong. I'm, <laughs> I'm mad at the fish. Them. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Maybe yeah, it's, it's not like advice. when we go down to hatchery and <laughs> Jacob's, Jacob slays yeah, and you're just all like, all right, just well, there. it's clearly a me issue here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, 
I haven't. I like I'm watching Go Wild dude slice the bass's uh, stomach open, and there's like a big orange crawl on there. And I'm like, oh yeah, like it's. I'm I'm going. I'm throwing everything. Fire crawl. You know, orange red. I got Adam. Not a single look. I mean, it's. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to do. I bought a ton of stuff that I'm trying to cycle through and use, but I've mostly just been doing uh, chores around the house, getting ready for turkey season and stuff, so I don't have to do as much. I can just go making you know, those I, bank deposits. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's something I learned from old Jacob. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dan, do you do much fishing? So I'm married into a fishing family. So the the reason that my wife is even halfway understanding about me leaving in uh, October and November to go hunt in different states and, and be gone for a long period of time is because her dad is the bass fishing version of me. Okay. So this dude is – so every time um, – in, in northeastern Iowa, right on the Mississippi River, there's all these different, uh, there's a couple different pools, and they have all these uh, Corps of Engineer rock formations mm. um, out in the, out there, and it creates all these islands, and it's just superb fishing. So he's been fishing the, um, those, there's two pools specifically for like 45 years. Oh, and so every time I go up there, it's just like, okay, there should be fish here. And I can remember one of the first times uh, I went fishing with him. I think I caught maybe 12 fish that day. And, and they were decent-sized fish for the Mississippi River. And he goes, man, Dan, I'm really sorry about today. Uh, you know, I, I was hoping we could catch some more fish. And so, I'm, you know, just give me a chance and I'll, I'll get you on some fish. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this has been one of the best days of fishing in my life. And so listening to you guys talk about what um, what you were throwing, April has always been a really good month for us whenever we go up there. And not so much on the crankbaits, but on the, and I, I'm, I'm not, a, I don't know the names of them, but you know, the all the strings hanging off of them and jigs. it's the, jigs. the jigs. Okay. So a, a jig. And then he, he puts what I think he calls a rubber frog or a, a toad or something on the back end. Yep. It, yeah, it just looks like the back two ends and it's just casts it out and then just pop it real pop it real pop. And that's where we've had a ton of success over there. And then, and then also top water for smallmouth in the mornings mm. that has been that that you want to talk about in my opinion some of the most fun and some of the m- my favorite fish to catch period is just topwater smallmouth man that's so so much fun yeah i i will catch smallmouth with anything and mm-hmm. it is my i actually was going back and forth with somebody and go wild about this over the weekend because i had i had posted that nice smallmouth i caught the other day and he threw out like well yeah that's good and all, but has nothing on saltwater fish when they're running uh, peeling line and uh-huh. catching a carp. And I'm like, yeah, there's there's bigger fish you can catch that may run, mm-hmm. but I legitimately feel like every time I catch a good size smallmouth in a small creek and it fights with the current and is just angry, oh, yeah. there's there's something else to it. Like, yeah, you could always catch a bigger fish. Like that is a possibility, um, but. Every small mouth I've ever caught in a small stream takes another step above a bigger fish just yeah. because of it. You're challenge. convinced everyone's 10 pounds the yeah. way they yeah. fight. Yeah. I always uh, I joke around and call them the bicep of the river. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. They kind of get that shape too, man. That's, yeah. that's perfect. All right. I want to move on 
to our topic of do you really want to move on though because you could talk about fishing for forever <laughs> well i, I could <laughs> yeah I, I'm being I, forced to move on. Yeah. <laughs> I can talk about the intricacies of stream fishing for smallmouth this time of year. Yeah. Um, but I, I am actually really excited to get Dan's take on this. We've kind of had some conversations around the office, um, whether it be products that we're promoting, products that we're trying to get in the door to sell on the platform, brands that we're talking to. And so there seems to be going to ATA, SHOT Show, uh, even some of the consumer shows, there seems to be more of an influence from solid color apparel for hunting. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of it going on out west where, yeah. you know, the solid colors um, are in the mountains, you yeah. know. And you're starting to see a lot more influence kind of into the broader scope of hunting apparel. Yeah, I dig, personally dig, this is going to sound a little cheesy, but I dig the style. I dig the fit. I dig some of the technical aspects of it but i am not informed on the hunt ability of this apparel and yeah. so i'd love to get your all's take on why i would love dan specifically on whitetail like obviously out west this is something that's been going on for years i just i've been seeing it come into the the whitetail community more and more so like i mean the argument is like I'm up in a tree. Like, how much? How much does it really matter? Or like, these are the types of things I'm hearing. Like, are you still big on like having a pattern and breaking up the outline and that whole thing? Because then some guys are like, you know, my grandpa shot him in red plaid and you know, like blue what? Jeans. Yeah, and blue Smoking jeans. A Smoking a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's the what's the deal? Man, we could sit here for the next three hours and talk about this. There, there's. I feel like every camo pattern that's out there has in it in their description of their camo pattern pattern. They say something about scientific tested. It's scientifically tested or it's scientifically proven or, you know, it's been proven for X number of years, man. I've killed deer. I've been hunting and I can honestly say, I feel like I've been in every possible situation in a tree stand uh, and even on the ground, walking back and forth, or maybe doing a spot and stock, or trying to creep up on some deer in a field from a, you know from inside the timber, and and really, I've been in ev- I say I've been in every scenario that you could possibly be, and nothing beats sitting still, straight up. I've had deer, I've had deer look at me and run. I've had deer look up at me and stay and and just ignore me i've had deer you know get downwind smell me but not see me and and stay smell me and run and so what i'm trying to get at here is there is no magic recipe there is and this is my opinion there's no magic recipe there's no there's no camel pattern that i feel performs better than another Um, now there are some materials i would say that perform better than others but it's it's not the actual camo pattern itself that is the tipping point of you know having success and that's just my opinion yeah i think with a lot of the technical clothing that might be a really good tip that a lot of people aren't thinking about is like if you're going to go outside of like a hunting brand to buy some solid clothes that you're going to hunt in like 
we've talked about a little bit here, like the reflective stuff, right? Like the, yeah. you know, if it's just a technical hiking apparel company, they may not be considering or likely aren't, they might accidentally make something that's great, but like they're not making hunting clothes. So they're likely not considering, you know, some of these things that really matter. Um, like you said, the, the material, right? Like it could be loud. It could be reflective. Like, is that, are those the two main things that you'd watch out for? Man, even even this whole notion of being loud, a material being loud, right? Mm-hmm. Unless it's, do you guys remember when Sun Chips may they went from this regular bag to this new like this new bag a while back, and if you touched it, it would echo <laughs> through your whole house. Yeah. <laughs> Unless so. your camo clothes is doing that, I yeah. don't see like. Man, there's so much noise in the woods that if you're just moving around a little bit. I don't see it being that loud. Now, I'll, I'll step out of that and say I wear a um, an Eddie Bauer puffy jacket for my insulation layer. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm having that on top and it's a dead quiet day, and when I draw back, yes, there's a little bit of noise. But the notion that if you're drawing back on a deer that's comfortable and his body language is showing that they're comfortable – and they run out of the county because you just drew back at 20 yards. And, dude, people, it, it, that's overrated, in my opinion. They cannot, they cannot, they hear good, but they don't hear that good. And yeah. so if there's wind or leaves rustling or things yeah. like that, then, man, I, I think the whole notion of, you know, this, this is so quiet, they're not even going to hear you, that's overrated. I will say, however, there are, there are, material that do collect that do reflect sunlight and those you have to be careful for Uh, and they and it's not necessarily that they reflect the sunlight but they they become brighter and they Mm -hmm. do not absorb the sun the the sun rays like other materials do and so you look you actually stick out in the tree if the sun is hitting you directly and Mm -hmm. so I don't know. I, um, there are there. I would say there are materials, but again, if you're sitting still, you kind of solve that problem. Yeah. Well, I had an experience with like almost exactly what you're talking about two years ago when me and me and my buddy Phil were hunting together. He was in a tree like 30 yards from me, like just down a path, and eight point comes in. I'm wearing. I was borrowing Brad's camo at the time, so I was wearing like a. Uh, I think it was a, what's that duck brand? Drake. Drake. Is a Drake, yeah. uh, a Drake big jacket because it was freezing and it was the heaviest thing I had. And I went, I drew back on this thing and I don't know that there's a louder piece of clothing on the planet. And it goes, <laughs> yeah. it goes, whoosh, and all that buck did was scamper, you know, 15 yards just to get on the other side of a tree where I didn't have a shot and I watched Phil put an arrow in him. So in the worst case scenario, he definitely didn't run out of the county like you're talking about. Yeah, like yeah. he just, he kind of was like, oh, that's weird and took a couple steps. So it's not like it's going to take you completely out of the game. But Well, and what's interesting, you think about the quiet woods. Quiet woods to our ears is fairly quiet. Yeah. You know, if there's no wind and that kind of stuff. But to a deer's ear, that if they're more sensitive, they're gathering in so much more sound than we mm, probably are right. of stuff moving squirrels hopping around same stuff that gets our attention but like amplified and i like like dan saying i think it's just so much auditory noise to them that it's got to be pretty stark out of nowhere yeah. oh yeah to, oh yeah yeah because yeah. in my in my experience i mean w- w- the three things that we're trying to kind of <clears throat> 
combat, if you will, when hunting is like you're trying not to be seen, you're trying not to be heard, and you're trying not to be sent or whatever. You're trying to control your scented, scented. Yeah, I was like, you're trying not to be smelled, smelt, snoffed. I don't know. Anyways, so in my experience, though, with hunting deer, it it seems that smell, obviously, being the most important one, I think all of us here would agree with that. But it seems to me that the deer, if if you kind of if they hit on two of those things is when they'll start to target or that's when they'll start being aware of something's not right here um smell again like i said being the one that you know if they catch a real good whiff of you they're downwind or whatever it might as well be game over but then again not always but if they if they see you and they hear you um, what does seeing mean? Uh, we we don't know. We're not seeing what the deer see themselves. And I, and I want to kind of just agree with what Dan's saying too. Like the, the movement is the biggest thing. I, I I've yep. been hunting my whole life. I've hunted in everything from surplus army camo to the, the Walmart brand camo to higher end brands. Now I've hunted in everything. I've killed deer and everything. And what is better than any camo is just being still and not moving. Yeah. So. I yeah. think the, the, the still you're talking about might be a little like as a new hunter or like something like that. Like there's another level of still than maybe what you're used to. And mm-hmm. I've just seen that in bringing, you know, younger guys and yeah. even myself, like when I first got started, like the still required for when something is staring at you is like dead still. Like you're literally not moving yeah. at all. Not just like yeah. quietly the, moving. Like you're in not the, moving. And the movements you do make when hunting are very different than the movements that we make in our normal everyday life. I mean, yeah. I remember the one of the first times I ever went hunting, I think it was squirrel hunting. You know, I, I pointed yeah. at a squirrel trying to show my dad, hey, dad, there's a squirrel there. And he's, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and ever since then, I've yeah. never pointed when hunting. I, I'll like kind of slowly <laughs> signal with my head. If I'm with somebody, I'll be like, hey, to the right. Yeah. But. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is tree stand hunting, saddle hunting, you're you're getting elevated to get out of that line of sight yeah. and so the importance of that even comes down a little bit more mm-hmm. uh especially if you're saddle hunting and you can use the tree as a shield for your body less a bit less of you is visible to the deer and then you're talking about selecting clothing that is the best fit for the environment and mm-hmm. what you're going to be doing the stuff you're going through to get there uh i i'm in support of it um i haven't done it yet i'm still all camoed out uh, hunting, but you know, we've been talking about some of these yeah. pants and stuff that I've got my eye on. It is expensive. I will say that, that some of this apparel is mm-hmm. pretty steep in price, Yeah, but I would like to get a, get a set of pants and try yeah. them out this year. I started running solids out West and it's kind of, you know, coming to the East now hunting these last handful of years I've deer hunted wearing really solid pants and stuff like that. And especially in a saddle and it might've been something I heard on one of Dan's podcasts, but if you're saddle hunting, you almost kind of look like a limb coming off of a tree. Mm-hmm. So, you know, solid really might not mean much, especially with where you're at. I mean, I, I've seen no real difference, honestly, wearing solids here. I I hunted with solid pants all year. Shot mm-hmm. my buck with solid pants. Yeah, you know, twenty whatever yards. Um, there. I mean, I was intentional about the color I mm-hmm. bought. I didn't just buy like red. Like it, it they're kind of yeah. like brown or whatever. I think yeah. there might be some consideration for that. I don't know. It, yeah. But the more like we talk about it, it kind of seems like 
the big thing about buying like nice camo or nice like hunting apparel from these brands is that like they they're thinking about like making clothes for a hunter like i I don't think all of them make like solids or anything like that but like if you think about where they're putting pockets and how they're like designing them to fit like what you're doing that seems like that's really the main advantage over like one camo versus another versus a solid it doesn't sound like that's like I mean, I don't know. It doesn't seem like that's that big of a deal versus like if you buy from like a nice mm-hmm. apparel brand for hunting, you're likely going to get some really smart, you know, it's built for it. Yeah. 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 So I, I have kind of a basic question on this whole thing. Why did this start out West? Why, what's the reason for the solid apparel push beginning there? Like why, did, why did they do that? I think a lot of guys that were hunting out West, and we're going back quite a few years, weren't using brands of clothing that were made for hunting. I think they were using brands of clothing that were made for, you know, backpacking, uh, hiking, stuff like that. So they weren't camo to start with. But then also the other thing is you just out there, you're looking, you're you're hundreds of yards away, potentially if you're rifle hunting. You're not too worried about blending in at that distance. There's still like color consideration, right? To some degree or no? some degree, yeah. I mean, in Wyoming, Wyoming, you, um, sorry, Colorado is what I'm thinking of. Colorado, you got to wear orange when you're rifle hunting on head and vest. Yeah, I mean, so you're you're basically half orange already to start with. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. Like when people make arguments about it, it's like, well, during firearm season, you're wearing like what percentage of your clothing yeah. is bright ass orange? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'd like we to see what, talked about that part. I'd like yeah. to see what Dan has to say about this too. Yeah, man, I'll tell you. <clears throat> Out west, so full disclosure, I wear a variety of different things all year long, but for the most part, it's solid colors. Mm -hmm. And the reason I wear solid colors is because when I am out west, I wear, like, I put all my stock into base layers. Base layers are, are what makes me the most comfortable. And so really what I'm looking at for any type of clothing I wear is like, um, comfortable and durable and so really the comfortable is like a two level thing one it actually feels good on my body and b it regulates whether i'm hot or i'm cold and allows me to be comfortable in the tree stand or while i'm doing you know a a spot and stock or whatever and so a lot of that depends on the time of year but outside of that like so i'm putting stock in my base layers but then outside of that the I've found that the the pants that I that the camel companies offer just do not live up to the durability that I want. Mm-hmm. When I'm crossing a yeah. fence, I'm ripping a crotch out of a you know a, a potential two hundred dollars pair of pants, yeah. um, or I'm spotting stocking in thorns and things like that, and, and rocks and shale and, and just all like nature's just designed to be hard on you, yeah. and so that's why I'm wearing like double need denim. Uh, like Dickies or there's one of my favorite brands is Arborware. Mm-hmm. And so it, and and that that's a company that's designed for arborists, guys who mm-hmm. cut trees down mm-hmm. for a living, okay? And so outside of that, like m- my tops just like solid color, you know, solid color sweaters, so- solid color hoodies, you know, uh, again, letting the base layer actually do the work of regulating and then like usually an insulation layer, like I mentioned, was my Eddie Bauer. That's that's navy blue. That one's navy blue. Yeah. And so when I'm sitting there doing a spot and stock and I'm spot, you know, I'm trying to spot something up that's potentially a half mile to a mile away, 
camo number one doesn't matter at that distance um and then when i'm in a tree i this year i shot my deer with that navy blue uh uh, insulation layer on the outside of me (laughs) and so i just feel like it's all of that all of that stuff's overrated and kind of going back to the durability man in i don't know where you guys hunt but i walk through thorns and beggars lice and cockaburs and all that stuff is designed by nature to stick to you i have a pair of sitka pants downstairs it's um like uh, a fleece type material that i can't wear anymore because the beggars lice is so bad on it and Mm. so that that really doesn't happen that much to the denim that i wear and so these days man i'm i'm not i'm not wearing anything fleece unless it's in my backpack and I'm putting it on at the base of the tree or already up in the tree. And so, um, as much as, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's one company that kind of sticks out to me that I feel kind of has it together. Uh, and that's, uh, the name of the company is called Coda silence. They're, oh, they're yeah. fairly new. Yep. No, I don't no, know if yeah. you guys heard about them, mm-hmm. but, um, their stuff would definitely pick up the beggar's lice and, and things like that. Yeah. But I, it's really close to a solid color, yeah. but it does not absorb the light. Like, I, I don't know, man. I, is it wool? I hate to say it's it. It's wool, right? Uh, so, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a blend. So there is some yeah. wool. Okay. Mm-hmm. But man, like you look at, uh, you look at some of the, the white tail Sitka stuff. Mm-hmm. That's almost white. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't care, dude. I've been picked off a lot in that, and I'm not. I'm not sitting here trying to talk trash on Sitka. What I am saying is that a deer's eyes is uh, the way they're designed is really good to pick up movement, and it's not if if your pattern is moving, then your silhouette is moving, right? Yeah. So it, the pattern has nothing. In my opinion, the pattern really has nothing to do with it. If you're still They'll look at you and go, okay, that's cool. I don't care if it's scientifically designed or, or, you know, the research and testing behind it, but out like once you get to a certain point, like it, that's where I've, I really do feel solids, especially if my color is matching the tree behind me, I can get away with a little bit more movement because my torso is the same color as the tree behind me. And yes, there's a little movement, but the wind blows all day long. Yeah, and so branches are moving around. Yeah. And so I don't know, man, oh, I, yeah. I just feel like solid. Like I'm a, I'm a solid guy these days. I mean, just, solid guy. just imagine if, if it was the technology probably exists. I don't know if you went out and you took a picture of your exact spot where you're going to be sitting or hanging or whatever, print that exact photo <laughs> on a piece of apparel. If that tree trunk shifts in the middle, yeah. the deer is going to notice that and be like, yeah. what the heck was that? Yeah. Like, it could literally yeah. be the exact form, yeah. but if it moves in an odd manner, it's going to get their attention. Yeah. Well, look at yeah. look at all the marketing that's done for camo patterns. A majority of the camo uh, pictures, if you're looking at a, a picture specifically, is at the eye level of the hunter. It's never uh, it's never really at the eye level of the deer looking up at the hunter. Because if you're trying to, if you're looking up against the sky and, and there's a blob in the tree, it doesn't matter if it's real tree, Sitka, First Light, you know, uh, Cryptek, it doesn't matter. If, if there's movement in the tree up against the sky, you are screwed. 
It yep. doesn't matter, or even solid. It doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah. That's a fishing principle. What? Yeah. Wearing blue and kind of the tree limb drab colors because they see looking up at the top of the water, that's how they're going to yeah. see you movement. You tell yeah. me I got to wear camo when I'm fishing? <laughs> I, Is that what I've been doing? I wrong? do <laughs> whatever it takes. I do oftentimes wear camo, uh, or especially when I'm saltwater fishing, I wear a light blue or yeah. light gray. Yeah. Because um, that's, you know, mm -hmm. think about the Makes sense. what's behind you. Yeah. Well, at one point, Dan made about durability, man. I had that experience last year because I'm, you know, I'm finally like buying my own camo and obviously it's not cheap to kit yourself out. Dude, like first day out and like there's strings coming off these, you know, $200 pants and it's mm -hmm. like, it was disheartening. I, I was so upset. Like, man, I'm spending all this money and like, it seems like you're spending a lot of money on the pattern and like maybe the, the warmth and maybe it's me not knowing layering and stuff, but I turned around and bought some Upland pants from, uh, like Upland hunting pants from Badlands just that have this big thorn guard on the front and on the, the the calves so that it, I didn't destroy all my hunting stuff and have to spend another $200 next year. Um, so okay. that's, that's most of my consideration going forward is going to be about stuff that it's going to, you know, maintain the right temperature, but also just not tear up instantly when yeah. I go into the woods. And that's why I put so much energy and time into my base layers, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes a ton of sense. Base layers is huge. I like wearing, uh, depending on what I'm doing, where I'm hunting and all that. I like, Dan said something about Dickies or whatever. I wear Wranglers yeah. rigs, Yeah, which is like, they're made for guys working on roads and stuff like that, but they're super durable, super tough, thick pant. I love wearing those just to go now, busting through brush. They're not breathable. I agree with you. They're not. That <laughs> they're not. They, they do not like dry out quick. Mm -hmm. right yeah. and mm -hmm. so that's the downside yeah but you, i'll walk right through a thorn bush and not feel yep. it in yep. my pants right yep. and i i yeah. don't care if if that you know on a pair those pair of pants specifically i'll walk through the thorns and mud and, and cross the fence and it's almost like it's it's i treat them like they're disposable even yeah. though they they last more than one season i treat them as disposable because they're only like 40 bucks yep yeah uh, some like uh the the dickies or the wranglers or there's other brands as well but man i just beat the crap out of them and then i'm not sitting there going oh god like i don't want to walk through i need to walk through this way where all the thorns and, and beggars lice are but i don't want to get these 200 dollar pair of pants right. messed up and mm -hmm. so right there you're not thinking about deer hunting at that yep. point, you're thinking about doing something. You're, you're, you're taking a different route, not because of what you need to do, but to save a pair of pants. And I yep. just can't yeah. think like that. Yeah, that's a great point. point. I bought those uh, bottomland overalls this year for turkey season that are just that kind of denim material just so I can, you know, run through. They're not super expensive and just throw a hoodie on or long sleeve underneath that. And I'm like, I'm going to feel bulletproof out there. Yeah, like, yep. yeah and I, back to a, a silly point I made earlier. If I can get a pair of pants that I'm spending $300 on and I can wear them more than the 10 days, I may hunt more or less than that, but 10 days of the deer season that I'm able to get out, if it's a pair of pants that I can wear otherwise for other oh, yeah. things, yeah. other activities, and I'm not walking around yeah. in camo, mm -hmm. like that justifies spending that amount of money. 
Because if I can go mushroom hunting or I can wear them fishing or if I got to run to my kid's soccer game in between things. I don't church clothes. Yeah, yeah, church. <laughs> wedding. <laughs> wedding. Yeah. yeah. Derek I mean, showed up to a wedding yesterday in all real tree. <laughs> <laughs> real tree suit. I mean, there's there's just an element of it, though. If I'm going to drop that kind of coin on a pair of pants, I want them to be multifunctional. And That's a fair A lot point. of the stuff yeah. I have is not because I'm not going to wear my camo everywhere. Yeah, that's a great point. (laughs) Great point. Cool. All right, so solid color in the deer woods. Try it. If you haven't done it, try try it it out. out. (laughs) It's coming for you. I I will say this. I'm gonna give an I'm gonna give a uh a shout out to a company that I've found a lot of really good solid color stuff and that's LL Bean. Mm. Um they have man, I bought a a wool, hundred percent wool and it uh, granted this may it's when you start talking about money, right? Certain people go, "Oh, that's cheap." Other people will say, "Oh my god, that's really expensive," right? So, yeah. um, it's hard really to talk about what the price of something costs because there's two camps, right? Just yeah. because it's cheap doesn't mean it's affordable. And yeah. so, man, they have this they have this wool, really thick, really heavy, not very like not not friendly from a packability like it's not packable like my eddie bauer that i can pack into the size of a softball and put it in my pack this is bigger it's heavier it's thicker but boy is it comfortable and boy does it retain heat and uh it's this big wool sweater um it looks like it was that they would it looks like something that they would have given world war ii soldiers um (laughs) in in cold weather i mean it literally looks military in style but ll bean i found is a great place to look for solid color outdoor material that now they're not technically a hunting brand but they are an outdoors brand so yeah well you know what's interesting a lot of those like ll bean's been around forever it seems forever yeah and so those guys were guys and gals were probably hunting in that stuff anyways back when they started creating it i could be Um, completely wrong when i say this but i want to say ll bean actually kind of was a hunting brand when they first started probably so i mean probably yeah you know, they still make fishing equipment that mm-hmm. most people don't know about. Um, they're up in Maine, so it's tremendously intense conditions. I mean, Alex on our team lives up there, and he's been sending photos of all this snow and blizzard conditions they've had. And so that's the stuff that's made where those people are is meant for yeah. keeping yeah. you warm in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that wool, man, that's what all those dog guys were running out there when you and Brad were running. Oh, around. yeah. It's I like, mean, I made look the, like World War One trench guys. Yeah, I made the switch to wool a handful of years ago. And I'll, I mean, wool's the secret. The I've been saying that yeah. for a while now. Yeah. I love wool. Yeah. I know I, Brad I came be, home and bought a full setup like mm-hmm. immediately. I may be off on this, but my, I'm not sure which war it was, but my stepbrother cleaned out some old man's barn and he found a whole bunch of field and stream and outdoor lives from way back in the day. I mean, like right when they first started and all of the, all of the pictures in there had somebody wearing plaid or um, like the original, the original magazine. And then something happened outside. And I can't remember if it was world war two, Korea or Vietnam, but after one of those wars, is when you started to see camo being introduced into the woods because mm-hmm. all of the all of the soldiers who came back home started wearing their old military fatigues 
out in the woods. Mm -hmm. And so now nothing really changed other than a war ended. And so that Uh. started that from what I understand that started the camo trend in the woods. And so interesting, I believe. And now it's gone deep. We're like going down rabbit holes of big camo right now. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I mean, they say that, you know, hunting really had a huge uptick after world war two because you had all these, you know, 19, 20 year old guys coming back from a war and you just like shoot guns, shoot guns and go have fun out in the woods and stuff like that. And I mean, get away from everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of reasons we we could say why, but I mean, point being was they they say that that's when hunting started having a huge uptick was post-World War II. So I could totally see how like that's when camo could have probably also entered the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and those patterns are very different than mm-hmm. yeah. anything you'd see around here, and there's still a lot of people wearing it too. Yes, yeah. so. mm-hmm. no doubt. I think it all comes down to that one of the initial statements Dan made: "Don't move. Don't yeah. limit your movement. <laughs> Don't be stinky. Don't move." Yeah. Yeah. Then you can start thinking about get the right apparel for the situation. Yeah, um, you know, everything comes down to most things. It's discipline in the woods versus what you're wearing so and and i'll tell you this about five it was about five or six years ago is when i really started just testing out a whole bunch of solid color stuff and and testing out non-hunting i guess the it would be quote unquote non-hunting brands of apparel for the woods for hunting and there's something to say about like uh you know sitka Dude, Sitka donates so much money to conservation every single year, it's not even funny. So I would definitely feel comfortable supporting a brand like Sitka for that reason alone. Mm -hmm. Now, same with like a First Light and some of the other, you know, some of the other bigger brands like Realtree and Mossy Oak. These guys are doing a lot for the actual hunting community and the hunting industry. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's always that reason why you should buy camo you know like hey buy camo because of what these brands you know are doing but you're going to pay more for that um outside of that like when i started messing around with these with these non these non-camo uh non-technically camo i just there here's the thing i'm just going to be very blunt here with the 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 hunting community and the hunting industry Camo seems to be like clicky, like, mm-hmm. oh, you wear this or you wear that. And I did not want to identify as someone in that, yeah. like, like some guys are like, oh, dude, only rednecks wear this or only elitists <laughs> wear this or mm-hmm. only, you know, like guys who poach wear, this, you know, like whatever. <laughs> and so, and so like, I just wanted to, like, I didn't want, I really didn't want to be associated with any type of click or anything yeah. like that. So I'm just like, dude, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to show people that you can kill deer and not have to wear camo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and follow up to that, this nice marriage of those principles is happening right now too, where if you are a fanboy of a certain brand, these solid colors are coming Yep. in Mossy Oaks catalog. They have Mossy Oak apparel that is solid color. That's yep. not camo. Yeah. Yep. You know, Badlands you mentioned has First stuff. Light. First Light just is making a big Terra push. Or whatever. Tetra or Terra or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, if you are a fan of a brand, you can still keep your fanboyhood. Mm-hmm. Look at these solid colors as an option. You don't have to yeah. just go camo. 
worth considering. For I'm sure. digging it, man. Solid, I, solid colors. Like I said, breaking I, down clicks. I love multifunctional apparel over anything. Yeah, and agree. I think this really starts to tap into. Yeah, these aren't my deer hunting pants. These are pants that I can hunt, fish, hike, wear work, whatever. Yep. You know. Yep. Dig them. Cool. All right, let's shut her down. Dan, thanks for joining us again, man. Yeah. Appreciate yeah, no it. No worries, appreciate you, buddy. Uh, uh, so I appreciate you guys coming on and and uh, letting me be part of your cool kids club. Yeah. <laughs> Our click. We just brought you down, <laughs> down a couple notches. <laughs> yeah. So make sure you're logging this show and go wild. Get those points. Earn those rewards. There's some cool stuff going on right now on the platform. Uh, lots of turkey stuff oh, dropping, yeah. starting it's to right happen. Around the corner. Birds are hitting the ground. It's yeah. great. Uh, give us a review too on on your podcast show listening thingy platform of choice. <laughs> uh, we'd love to see what your thoughts are on the show. If you're you're just tuning in for the first time, make sure you check back some of the old episodes to see what kind of goofiness we've gotten into. So appreciate y'all being here, and we'll see you next time. See you.